Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we have a silly, fun recap of a show lined up for you. In a second here, I'm going to hand off the mic to our producer, Megan, for a special trivia game that she made up for me. All of our guests have to go through trivia, and now I am going to have to take the turn getting quizzed on trivia. And this hopefully will be a little better than when we play the newlywed game, and Leo and Elizabeth just like destroyed me, and it was impossible. Hopefully, we'll do a little better this time around. Um, but then after that, we'll play a little college flashback round for Megan and her Baldwin-Wallace experience. So we'll get to hear a little bit more of our producer, Megan. Uh, and then after that, we'll play a number of clips from our first calendar year of podcast to kind of catch you up on what you missed if you're a, a new listener. And if you're just nostalgic, as you've listened to every episode already, you'll get to hear some wonderful clips from this year. All right, Megan, shall <laughs> we dive in to the trivia game? Oh, my. Okay, listeners, he's the king of trivia, but now it's time for Charlie to get a piece of his own medicine. Mm. It's time to challenge Charlie to a game of his very own podcast. See how well he's been listening. Oh, gosh. All my TPAP kids are going to love that Challenging Charlie. That's what they used to play. Mm -hmm. They used to play a a roundup game called Challenging Charlie where they'd make me do impossible things. Let's see how we do, Megan. Well, they can play along with this game, too, because... If they were listening closely as well, they might get it. All right. All right, listen. This will be a look back on 2021, some of the wonderful guests we had on, and a mm-hmm. peek behind the curtain to hear what's going into making this crazy podcast. Charlie, are you ready to play? I'm so nervous. I feel like I'm giving you Josh Cigar energy, but the way that he took it like a man, like he was like pounding his chest and he was ready, I'm like shrinking into a little turtle. Like I'm like shrinking into a turtle shell with my nerves. Let's see what happens. In the newlywed game, you asked Elizabeth to guess a number between zero and 13 million. (laughs) You were thinking 2,563,421. What number did Elizabeth guess? Wow. That's a great (laughs) question. Megan, I just want to first off and say I'm so proud of you. This is a fantastic question. I think it would have been too mean to make me come up with the number I wrote because it was like a Mm seven-digit number. But this is great. I'm going to say she guessed 13. You got it right. I know my girl. I know my girl. Look at that. Okay. Something a little more technical. When did we drop our first episode? Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. And there's two acceptable answers that I will take, but I'm not. Uh Do I get a date range or do I have to get it right on the day for one of these two days? I'll give you like, give or take two to three days. Two to three days. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Two to three days. You see how I negotiated the gameplay? It's so mean. Um. It definitely was like early May. 
I want like a like in the week of. I know it's hard because I, I have all the dates in my head of like I remember the date that we first set out we we're going to do it, and then I'm like, was that the date that we actually did do it? Um, I'm gonna say May fifth. Ooh, no, no. What was it? So our teaser episode was released April twenty eighth of our intro. Oh, what the podcast was us. going to be, and yeah. then our first actual episode will be dropped. Telly and Victoria Bussert was May 19th. May 19th. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Great. I almost said May 17th. That would have counted. Didn't. Okay. No, Good. Oh, well. Too right. bad. Got it wrong. It's okay. Shake it off. Shake it off. One for two. Great odds. How many hours of re- recorded material do we have? Oh, my God. <laughs> Thousands is the answer. Um, you guys don't know how much work it takes. Some of these guys think blah, blah, blah. We have to cut them up. It's really difficult. Um... <laughs> It's mostly Charlie, though. Let's be real. It's mostly me. Yeah, it's, it's most. I'm, what, I almost always I'm like Megan. Cut me from saying this thing. The guest was fine, but she just cut me up a little bit. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna just do some basic math here. No, 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 this, no math. No, no. I have six guess. No math. But wait, but is this counting including episodes that we have recorded moving forward past this episode? Because yes. you guys may know. Yes, it's all total recording. Okay, so we're like like 37 episodes ish in the can. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say we have slightly over an hour for you. I'm going to say we have 40 hours of recorded material. It's close. It's actually less than I thought coming from the person who like edits the podcast. I was like, it's only 36 point, 38 hours. Ooh, was it 38? It's 38. Oh, okay. I'll get a close, close but not cigar is horseshoe for that. Yes. But it's my uh, pausing the recording that helped that's us. That's what saves it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. It. If it kept on rolling while we were just sitting here chit-chatting, it would be a lot. Mm. Moving on. This guest wanted to discuss fantasy football after we finished recording, but you both decided to gush about your children instead. That's Tom Miller. It That's is. Tom Miller. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we were showing each other photos through the phone. Of like, here's my screensaver. Hold it up to my Zoom screen. It was embarrassing. Oh, it was very sweet. Okay, at the beginning of this pod, we had some very long titles to mind. <laughs> um, I finally won the fight. But what episode has the longest title? Oh, God. Oh, okay. Um, Caitlin Hopkins. No. What is it? It was Devere. Do you want to guess ah. how many words it was? 32 words. <laughs> it's after I, I – so I did – we always do on – being something, 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 something. Uh-huh. So it's after the whoever the person was, what their cred was. It's uh-huh. twenty three words after. Oh, That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> On being a multi hyphenate actor, actor, writer, doing the thing, being ready for the moment, and the ten years it takes to become an overnight sensation. See, we would have learned now. We would just say doing the thing. This is we yeah. learn. We learn as we do the but podcast, do as you all I learned. did suggest that as a title, and then I got knocked down. <laughs> but it also was on a multi hyphenate. I want to want to know what it's on. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, what was the longest episode, time-wise? Oh. That was Ooh. out into the webs. Released, actually released, not edited. Released okay. episode. These are such great questions, Megan. You're doing such a good job. These are all gettable, but very hard, which is I like. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Cigar. Correct. Yes, let's go. Let's, <laughs> caballo, let's go. Okay, all right, I got it. Which guest wore socks as wristbands in college? Gabe Ebert? No, Devere. Ooh, Devere? <laughs> oh, Devere. That's right. Devere. He did say that. Socks as wristbands. Yes. <laughs> okay. What was Telly's favorite show he did in college? Company. Yes. Good job. Let's go. 
That's because Leo did company with Telly, and I, and I know that story. That's the only reason I guess that. Vicky Bussard from my alma mater from BW is known to play which musical instrument? Oh, we talked about it. I remember we talked about it. I even say like you going around campus playing. It's gonna, it's like the tuba, but I'm not, I'm not guessing tuba yet. Hold on. Mm, it's a fun instrument. It's a fun instrument. I always think tuba because that's what Elizabeth played that in company, in the Broadway company. And I was like, that's so funny. It's just like <laughs> someone walking around dancing, playing a tuba. Um, what's the one? Uh, no, no I'm, I'm just going to say tuba. I'm sticking with tuba. Tuba's in my head. I'm saying tuba. Wrong. Uh, it's a cello. A cello. Oh, yeah. That would be hard. Yeah. So in the newlywed revenge game, mm. I asked this question and you got it incorrect. Mm. So we're going to try round two to see if you were listening. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Leo has developed some luscious locks in the pandemic. Oh, no. This company may have predicted Leo's new hairstyle by hiring him in 2015 to voice over for one of their commercials. What hair care company did Leo do a voiceover oh, for? I'm going to guess like all of the... I remember all my wrong guesses. Like, I definitely guessed, like, Vidal Sassoon. Yes. I think my actual guess was Gar- was Garnier Fritis or something that. Um, oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> let's say let's say Garnier. Correct. I'll, I'll accept yes. it. It's Garnier Whole Blend. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Which guest called you out for adjusting your shirt collar, but it really looked like you were unbuttoning your shirt before starting the game? Ooh. Ooh. Who was it? Erica Henningsen? Nope. Megan Pacerno. Megan Pacerno. That's right. That's right. It's like, are you removing your shirt? I was like, no. I'm just. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, next question. While this guest was on set, they were scripted to burn to death. Which guest had to display their best melting acting? That's my boy, Gabe Ebert. That's Gabe Ebert all day. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Next one is a trick question. Who claimed to be a sponge throughout their college experience? Oh my God! If it's not Ethan Slater, that would be uh, so unfair. Um, who claimed to be a sponge? No, it's Ethan Slater. I'm being a scholastic sponge. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. A scholastic sponge. That's not Ethan Slater. It is um, Erica Henningsen. Correct. That's yes. Your question. Well, you got me. I almost did it too. I, I, I didn't final answer it though. I saved myself from final answer. I almost got you. Ooh, On God. Tuesday, July 20th, you and Ryan Quinn predicted the Milwaukee Bucks fate in the NBA finals. Ryan predicted Bucks in six and you predicted Bucks in seven. Who was correct? Ryan Quinn was right. It was like later that night it happened basically. Yeah, Ryan <laughs> I mostly right. wanted you to say that you were wrong um but the real question is what was the final score of that game oh come on (laughs) i I even watched the game nobody remembers the final score it was i mean you would if it was like an incredibly close 105 to 103 or something um i'm gonna say it was a low scoring game i'm gonna say 102 to 93 Hmm. you were close had half of it on with 105 105 to 98 oh not bad, not bad. Okay, good. All right, moving on. When you were 13, while at Act One Theater School, you had some sort of physical ailment. Ellen yeah. had the incorrect answer. What was her incorrect answer? Okay, right. So I, I broke the growth, growth plate in my ankle, and mm-hmm. she thought I broke my arm. Broke your wrist. She thought I broke my wrist. Oh, come on. That's in the arm. The wrist is in the arm. The arm's part of the wrist. This guest claims that pants as wall decor was their best piece of art they have ever made. Ethan Slater, next question. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. What guest has season tickets to the Colts? 
Oh, that is um, Bill Jenkins. Correct. Yes. Nice. You asked, asked this guest, Ann Nathan is doing a, her fabulous one-woman show entitled The L Stands for Leslie. What is her closing number? Who was this guest and what did she suggest? Show me Alison Blackwell. Mm-hmm. And what did she suggest? I was too ahead of the answer and I wasn't even half listening. What did she suggest? What was the most question I asked was, what's the closing number? And she said, she said, and the world goes round. Look at you. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, are you playing in the world goes round right now? Yeah. Who's yeah. the start of it? Okay. We don't have time for that. All right. This guest would go back and play waffles in Uncle Vanya. Who is this guest? Hmm. Oh, that feels like a trick because it feels like it should be Gabe. He would go back and play waffles in Uncle Vanya. Mm-hmm. In college. Ugh. Alejandro. Correct. Let's go. Let's go. So I just don't sad. remember him actually doing I'm like, it's such an Alejandro answer, but I don't actually remember him playing that. Sorry, Alba, if you're listening to this. I don't remember that that happened. But it probably was like classwork. I saw him in the shows. Anyway, great. Anyway, Sarah Salzberg wore a top from this clothing store to her stomp audition. Ooh. I like girls who are Abercrombie bitch. Um, I'm gonna say Lululemon. Hmm. No, I'm really testing your knowledge on women's clothing stores. Anthropology. Anthropology would have been a great guess. That's a great just like throw it out there guess. It wasn't in my head, but I should have gone there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Perfect for stomp audition. Well, Charlie, you have completed your trivia game. I will say you did better than I thought you would. <laughs> I have to say I did a lot better than I thought I would. If literally, if any listeners out there beat me in this game, if you're playing along and you beat me, please email. We will give you a prize if you beat me in this game. Because I think I, I, I've listened to all these episodes at least twice. And I think I did pretty well. If anyone beat me because they listened to it more, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Very true. Megan, thank you for that super fun game. Are you ready to play your college flashback game as the table turns on you. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't so know it either. is a little unfair that I'm playing, but I do think it's fine because I'm not good at these types of games. <laughs> yes, you having <laughs> heard it 35 times. Because now I'm just at the starting line with the rest of our guests. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm putting 60 seconds on the clock. Oh, great. Are you ready? Yes. Hardest class for you? Uh, Western music history. Snack that got you through college. Uh, Pop-Tarts and Coke. Class you never used again in your life. Western music history. (laughs) A teacher you learned the most from. Ooh, Sandy Simon. Did you attend a frat or sorority party? Yes. Weirdest acting exercise you did? Um, stretching on the floor, it looked like you're humping the ground. Most fun college ritual you partook in? Mm, The Beatles. Most surprising college casting? BB in, uh, Corsine. Um, where do you wish you'd studied abroad? Um, I did study abroad, London. Did you have to do crew for your school? I did. Least favorite crew assignment? Um, well, I only had one, so it was opera. So, uh. uh. What was on Broadway that you were dying to be in when you were in school? Um, Kinky Boots. Waitress. Uh, do you still own any clothing with your school's name on it? Barely. Time. <laughs> How'd we do? I got 13, I think. 13? Not bad good. at all. But now oh, nobody was I'm listening. Gonna... Wait, I want to edit my first answer. My hard cl- hardest class was not Western music history. It was solfege or tonal harmony for sure. Uh, sometimes we, just when those points, we're trying to think of literally anything. And sometimes we almost say, say the opposite of what we actually mean. We're like, that's the thing I love the most, darn it. But it's just all I can think of. And so then I just say it and try to make it true. 
I should have asked you worst fashion choice. That's when I would, I'm interested. That was in. the one I was actually waiting for. And I do have a good answer for it. Give it, it to me. I yeah. I do want to share it because my friends used to make fun of me all the time. So my answer would have been if you asked me poo bearing it around campus. And I would like to explain that. Please do. It sounds inappropriate, but yeah. it's just actually just funny. So in the summer, it got too hot. I mean, we're going freshman year. We're going from class to class. We're in tights. We're in leggings. We're in uh-huh. this. It gets hot. So I was finally fed up of having to change and like take off the tights, take off the <laughs> leotard, put on like we're going from class to class. So I just like put a shirt over my leotard and tights and just like walked around campus, which was fine in like the conservatory area. Uh-huh. It's all artsy. We're all with it with each other. But once I walked into like the cafeteria, like the football players and the baseball players were like, who is this chick and what is she doing? We're talking about we're talking about a shirts no pants situation, is what you're telling me. Yes, but I had a leotard and tights on, but to right. the untrained eye, yes. hence the general population, it looked like I was just walking around in tights and underwear. Were you ever holding a honey pot while you did it? I should have. One year yeah. I was poo for Halloween, so I was just paying homage to my college years. Would have been great. Um, all right. Well, Megan, thank you for vulnerably jumping in, playing the college flashback round. You did great. Uh, you did appropriately well. If you'd gotten 15, people would have thought there was cheating. That was good. That's like when someone you pay someone to take your SATs. You're like, don't get a 1600. Get like a 1520. Mm-hmm. So people believe them, you know. Yeah. Um, not that I'm suggesting any of you do that out there. Let's be clear. That was a joke. Um, Megan, shall we get to some of these fun clips? I know you're going to be kind of narrating and t- saying, hey, this is what this is as we, mm-hmm. we get jump into these clips. Um, anything we need to say before we dive in? Well, first, let's, let's, uh, let's go to a break, maybe. Oh, you want to pay some bills, Megan? I think so. Let's pay the bills. Let's cue it to a break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus okay we're back from that break i hope you enjoy listening to those ads i always love the ads i really listen to podcasts mostly for the ads when possible most important part of the, the episode the ad for sure. For sure, for, for sure. sure. It's like the Super Bowl. We are the Super Bowl of podcasts right now. Um, Megan, I know we're going to jump into some clips here. Is there anything we need to say before we, we dive into them? I think we're just taking a little journey through our first year of podcasting. Not our first of like 365 days of recording, mm-hmm. but at least calendar year. Mm-hmm. And just taking a little, it's a little, like speed dating. Speed dating through our podcast. Which ones mm-hmm. would you like to listen into further? Ooh, yeah. If you want to email us in afterward and say, I, I would like a date with these five podcast guests, then let us know, you know. Um, all right, well, let's get into them. Episode 25, Sarah Salzberg from the Broadway Spelling Bee and Bohemia Realty Group. Yeah, well, when I first graduated from college and I, and I moved to New York, 
I definitely, as I said, was a little bit lost. And I, I was auditioning for commercials and theater and television. I have a crazy story where I saw that Stomp had an open call and I was like, I can, I can, I can, do, I can do this. I had I never seen the show. And the, the breakdown said, not necessarily looking for good dancers or drummers, but you have to have a big personality. And I was like, huh, I'm going <laughs> to absolutely book this. So I showed up and I was like dressed like this and, you know, it's like a cute top from Anthro and everybody else has like face tattoos and cut off gloves and they have all brought their own drumsticks mm -hmm. and I'm looking around and the producer comes up and it's in the Orpheum theater and the producer comes up and is like, um, so most of you guys, this is a callback. I know for one or two of you, this is your first time here. And I was like, that Lily. And I said, you know, so you're going to come up on stage, this drum set, you know, opens a theater. There's like a 30 piece drum set and just do your best two minutes. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? But because I'm not a person that gives up, I was like, I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm doing this. My best so they call our names and I get in line and we're lined up against the wall. And I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do. And the woman in front, um, behind me, I'm like, hey, um, I forgot my drumsticks. Go, go crazy. Can I borrow yours? And so, you know, she hands me her drumsticks. My name is called. I go up on stage. I still have absolutely no idea. And by the way, everybody before me is like, -da 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 -da. tricks, backflips. And I've, you know, I'm a Jewish girl from the Northeast. So I get up there and I just I stood up and I go, mm, mm. I'm in stomp. <laughs> Thank you. And one person clapped and then was like, oh, we're not doing that. And um, and that was my experience. And and I stayed for the whole thing. And afterwards I was talking to people and they were like, you oh right, you were that was oh, no. you. So anyway, my experience with that in the retelling of that story helped me realize that I am a storyteller and not a dancer or somebody that should be auditioning for Stomp. And it helped But did me. you book Stomp? Did you get it? Um, surprisingly, no. Unbelievable. That's shocking. Episode 20, Michaela Donovan from Boston University. Let's uh, let's get into that pre-screen a little bit. You yeah. guys had, I think, the most dreaded um, pre-screen this year. Because we did? Asked, well, not most dreaded, but most no um, maybe agita creating pre-screen cool. with the uh, uh, alternative um, was it an alternative environment that yeah. you asked for. So let's talk a little bit about that. So if the, maybe some of the reasoning behind it and also sure. kind of what you're looking for specifically in your pre-screen. Happy to talk about that. Yeah, happy to talk about that. Well, we made this decision. We've never done pre-screens before last year, actually. We used to see everyone, which I prefer. Mm -hmm. I prefer, but it's just simply the sheer amount of applications has become too much. And, um, and so when we went online for zoom and for like during, you know, 2020, I was like, I want to give everyone an opportunity for me to see, um, a multitude of things like we would in the room and, and filming two pre-screens against a blank wall in a very limited amount of space for an actor, to me, doesn't leave them the freedom 
to really access other parts of their artistry. And so I was like, okay, I'll do one of those, right? To get a sense of like, can someone focus and, you know, like see them up close. But then I was like, I want to see how someone's body moves in space. I want to see how their creative mind works because you can see an actor who also has a directorial mind Mm -hmm. in this kind of exercise. We're not expecting everyone to have that. And we're not requiring that, but it's fascinating to watch. And it's fascinating to watch some of these pre-screens that are these, you know, site-specific ones that we ask for because some people take real risks in them and the way they use the camera's inventive. And it just gives us a sense of like someone feeling more comfortable in a space, regardless of what space that is. Um, And it doesn't have to look perfect. It doesn't have to have fancy lighting. It doesn't have, you know, like we don't need any of that. And I would be really bored <laughs> watching 1,200 pre-screens of people against blank walls. So it was just like partially selfish because I was like, I want like I want to just stay engaged in this process for these students. Um, so that's kind of the reasoning behind why we did that, and it was so fun, so fun. Uh, yeah, are, are there any of the out there site-specific yeah. locations you want to let us know about? Or, I, I mean, mean, without. There, yeah. I mean, the, the cool thing was there were some students who didn't really light up on the traditional pre-screen, and then all of a sudden they got into their site-specific, and it was like, oh, there you are, oh my god! And I never probably would have called them back without hmm. that aspect of it. Um, so, you know, I think there was there was I mean there were amazing things. There was one kid who kind of had this sense of humor, like this dry sense of humor through his work. And he was like on an elliptical with a, with a rope bathrobe and he ended up diving into a pool. Now you don't have to do that. That's not necessary, but it made sense for the monologue Hmm. and it, and it enhanced the monologue, even though that's not necessarily the context of where it took place in the play, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I don't need that necessarily. And so, but like the way he invented it and the way it elevated the text and the way he came to life was like, Hilarious. I mean, it was so funny. Um, mm. And it really gave me a sense of him or them. Mm. I don't know what pronouns they use, but it really gave me a sense of that person. Um, mm. So that that is the gift of it, I think. And so there were definitely some really fun uh, explorations last year. Episode three, Devere Rogers from Broadway's Chicken and Biscuits. Um, okay, uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's maybe switch to you've now graduated from NYU. So you're 22, 23, you're feeling good. Let's talk a bit about navigating that time. Um, and I know specifically you had the, the, we can even get into the journey of what it was like in NYC and then what the LA mm-hmm. situation was like as you moved into LA. Maybe let's start with right out of school, yeah. what that felt like for you. Oh, right out of school, it was, it was very much about just doing the thing you know, auditioning for all the stuff, doing the thing. And also being in New York City, it was just like, all right, well, I don't have the sort of safety net that is school anymore. So it was about how, like, finding the job, finding the job that also allows you to audition, you know what I'm saying? Because that's also a big thing too. Um, And finding the right job for me because uh, waiting tables was not, that's not in my ministry. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I did it for two hours and Someone gave me attitude and I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't. No, 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 no. I, I can't do this. So I had to find I had to find a job that that fit me, you know, and but also was flexible. And I think that for me was the biggest thing coming out of school was like, OK, how do I do the thing? You know, um, and then that getting into the sort of grind that is auditioning, especially in musical theater, 
you know, for theater period, musical theater or plays. It's like there is a grind. There is a signing up for EPAs, ECCs, waiting at the equity building, waiting. And especially if you're non-ec too, oh my God, don't even get me started. Like I was blessed enough to like have my equity card, you know, fairly early. So it was easier for me than some of my friends, but like that non-ec grind, like waking up at four in the morning to get there, get on the list and the list is unofficial. So the monitor doesn't, you know, <laughs> doesn't validate the list because it's, you know, it's just, it was, it was one of those things where I tell people, once you graduate, just being just that first year after graduation, when you're doing the thing and auditioning is going to let you know if you really want to do this or not, <laughs> because it is, it is a tough road, you know, and, it, and rare are the stories of like coming straight out of school and, you know, going to your first auditioning and being a Broadway star, starlet, like it's, it's rare. It happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it, the, 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 the sort of like majority of the journey is you have to put in work and you have to, you know, go there. So like after school, it was just like auditioning a lot and then like doing regional stuff, you know, booking a lot of regional stuff and then started booking some off Broadway things and, um, and, and still steady, you know, hoping to go to hoping to shoot for the stars, which is Broadway and like auditioning for those. And, and I think for me, I tell people like, that was my sort of like journey and like a day-to-day grind for about three to four years, you know, three years after school. And then I, and then my sort of like my dreams and goals changed. And I tell people like, you know, I felt like my life opened up and my artistry opened up and my dreams opened up when I realized that, you know, my dreams were bigger than an eight block radius. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I feel like some people, they, when I feel like Broadway is huge and it is huge and it is monumental, but also there's so much more, you know, that artists and theater artists can do than Broadway, you know? And I think I realized that I realized like, Oh, I, for, for years from high school to now, like Broadway was be all end all. And once I realized, especially like once I had, once you know people who's on Broadway or know people who do it, Mm -hmm. you realize the the allure sort of starts to go away because you realize how they talk about it. And they're just like, yeah, it's great, but it's like, not all that, you know what I'm saying? And you'd be like, wait, what? Like you're doing the thing eight shows a week. And it's like, it's, it has to be a dream come true. And literally everybody who I know who's been on Broadway, who has done the thing is like, it's great for like the first month. (laughs) And then you're like, okay, (laughs) you know? And for me, it was like it, but again, it's not even to say that that's a bad thing, but it's just like putting everything in perspective because when you're young, and naive me, I'm just like, this is it. Like, once you do that, then that's it. And I'm going to do it for the rest of my life, you know? And then realizing like, no, you can do that. And then there's also so many other things that you can do. Episode 26, Courtney Young from Ithaca College. Um, You've given so much advice already, but is there a kind of general piece of advice you'd want to give to prospective students who are looking at your school? I think that they're so brave for going through this whole process. Adding this to the senior year of high school is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so one piece of advice is find time to enjoy being in high school. Uh, you don't get to go back to it. So enjoy it while you can. Make sure you do get to the football Despite games. my nightmares, which always end, <laughs> I end up back in high school sometimes, but not actually. Not actually, right. And then just knowing and trusting that you will find your artistic home. Mm. You will find it. 
And if for some reason you don't the first time, well, you can transfer. <laughs> and that's okay, too, from somebody who did transfer. Mm -hmm. Episode one, Telly Leung from Glee and Broadway's Aladdin. So Telly, I think, is a really perfect guest for us to launch this off because he's both an artist and an educator. Um, so we'll talk about both of those worlds a little bit. Telly, how'd we do? How are you doing? Uh, awesome. First of all, as, as far as being an age-inappropriate warbler, uh, uh, yes, my nickname was Grandpa Warbler because I was 30. And the rest of those boys were sort of too old to be high school too. I mean, we had a couple of we a couple of those boys were actually like teenagers, but but a lot of them were in their young twenties. And here I was, thirty year old, still playing a high schooler. But you know, good genes, I guess. <laughs> Let's do the college flashback round now. Here's where we put sixty seconds on the clock, and I'm going to try to get you to say embarrassing things about yourself. We'll see. The goal is to answer as many questions as you can in 60 seconds. It's a numerical game, though, of course, the, the quality of the answers is up to you in terms of, oh, of gosh, what you okay. want to get. Um, the record, I believe, in our practice rounds was 11. I think oh. someone got 11 questions. So we'll see if 11 is going to be the number to beat. I'm going to be terrible at this because I talk a lot. This is bad. I can already <laughs> tell this is going to be bad. I'm going to get to like one. <laughs> and then like, you can set the low bar. I'll be like, okay, so the record is now 15 and the worst is Telly. And Telly zero. didn't actually didn't answer the question. He just like talked around it. So he's zero. Negative he one actually. Seconds and he had not finished answering one. We'll see. We'll see if that happens. Um, okay. Do we have 60 seconds on the clock, Megan? Oh God. We do. Nervous. All right, Charlie. Oh, your favorite show that you did in school? Uh, company. Uh, hardest class for you? Uh, a voice and speech. Social butterfly or bookworm? Social butterfly. Song or scene you love doing the most? Normal heart. Messy roommate or clean roommate? Clean roommate. Ever have a crush on a professor? No. Worst fashion choice in college? Sweatpants all the time. <laughs> Did you ever attend a frat or sorority party? No. Most consecutive hours awake at any time? Oh, uh, 20. Ever stolen from a campus shop slash bookstore? No. Good answer. Um, most fun college ritual you took part in? Oh, Kahlua Wednesdays. That was mine. <laughs> Kahlua we just got drunk before voice lab. Bad, bad idea. <laughs> Snack that got you through college. Kahlua. <laughs> <laughs> that's time. You were great at that. What are you talking about? <laughs> that was a good. That's a round to beat. Oh God! For humor. I was sweating. I was sweating so bad. God. <laughs> Episode twenty nine. Shakina Nayback from NBC's Connecting. Do you find they're just more more risk averse? That there there's more fear in in that exploration of, of ethics? Yeah, I think there's like I don't know if it's risk averse or fear or if it's just like black and white thinking that like you can't do that, you can't say that, uh -huh. you should say this, you can't do that, you know. And uh -huh. um, and I've I've had like you know pretty um tense conversations with some students around around things like that, uh, especially in terms of like mm -hmm. representation, what we can and can't put on stage, or what what kind of stories we should or should not tell, and um, what the role of theater is, which in my opinion has always been to like agitate, you know, in order to yeah. like create a, a more perfect world. And, um, you know, and I get that because when you grow up in a society that's telling you over and over again, what you should and shouldn't do to be a good person and to be a, a good participant in, in media, um, you know, you internalize those messages and you develop like a strict moral code, but that moral code has been uh -huh. placed on you. You know, it's not the moral code that you have developed for yourself through rigorous questioning. And so that's why I think developing an ethic is so important because you really have to consider things for yourself, how you, what you, what it makes you feel to be engaged in these types of conversations or these types of scenarios and then determine 
what is right for you and what is not right for you and be able to articulate the why behind that. And it's, it's just, it's more complex. Mm -hmm. It's more nuanced. It's so true. And it does seem like uh, activism and theater have always had such a, um, uh, they share on the Venn diagram so much of what is agitating the world and was pushing us in the right direction where they don't share is in that black and white thinking versus the nuance and the grays that art always is trying That's to right. discover. We're trying to go, all right, we know the black and white. Let's explore that middle place. That's right. where, where's the place where we're not as totally sure? And that's really hard in a, you know, because that sort of is antithetical in some ways to some parts of social justice and some parts which are pushing this versus this. It can't be just this versus this in art. It has to find some. Yeah. So some of that. Yeah, I recently tweeted about this because I was like, I was getting really frustrated with what I saw as a lot of accusations around causing harm. Um, and and I, I wanted to just pose the question, like when we say something is causing harm, do we mean it's making us uncomfortable? And is that harmful mm -hmm. or is that just discomfort? Mm -hmm. And there are times when it's very clear something is causing harm and you can like see the A to B to C right. how that happens. There are other times when art is is provocative and disturbing and makes us uncomfortable and triggers us um, so mm -hmm. that we can look at something differently or feel something differently or even work through trauma toward a kind of healing. And if we are too quick to shut that down because it makes us uncomfortable and say that it's causing harm, we're actually robbing ourselves of the experience of going through a process that has been developed by an artist for us to journey, you know, through that discomfort mm -hmm. into something else. Episode 10, Catherine Moore from Carnegie Mellon University. So one thing that is perhaps unique to our program is that the actors and musical theater majors take many of the core classes together. Mm -hmm. So they're together for acting, they're together in their movement courses, they're together in voice for the stage, in speech. Later on, they're together in acting for the camera, auditioning on film, auditioning for the stage, um, and in showcase. Um, that we expect the same strengths, right, in both mm -hmm. disciplines. Um, or that we're, I should say, we're looking for the same strengths in both, both disciplines. And a student may audition as a musical theater major when they audition. And if for some reason they don't, they don't get past the initial musical theater pre-screen, they can decide if they would, they'll automatically be seen in the pre-screen for an act to be an actor. Mm -hmm. And we've had a number of students who, you know, for whatever reason, they're in the acting program. They're incredibly talented. Um, but, you know, when you only have 12 spots and you see over, you know, we saw over 750 auditions, which is a lot, I think. The musical theater students are essentially doing a double major. So they're, in addition to all of the acting training that they get, they're also doing their own musical theater training. So musical theater skills and uh, lit and rep mm -hmm. and acting a song and vocal coachings and weekly voice lessons and all of their dance classes. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's a, it's a quite a load, but they, they come out with, you know, some of our most successful actors were musical theater cool. and, and a number of CMU actors end up then doing lots of musicals and end up in, yes, you know, the, they do. the Andrew Cobras of the world or all these people you go, Oh my gosh, now you do more musicals than, than plays or whatever, you know, yes. just because you have that skill set. It's like, nobody's going to go, what is your degree in again? I'm sorry. I know you can sing well, but we can't have you in this show unless you have an MT degree. Exactly. And, and, and actors have the option. We, we have, um, 
an optional singing for actors course. That's a two year long course that they can take. Um, we have actor dance. So they're also getting dance, um, but they can audition to be in the musical theater dance if they dance well. Um, they can also take private lessons. Shout out to Thomas they Douglas. Can, uh, gave me check private lessons. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yes, Andrew Kober, someone like Andrew Kober, who came in with a glorious voice. Uh, Josh Gad was not a musical theater mm-hmm. major. It's amazing. Yeah. He's, He's done, done okay, okay in the musical theater world specifically. Episode 28, Michelle Chasse from Boston Conservatory. I mean, obviously, as a dance person, I, I want to bring in people who can do like crazy material, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, I want you to do a double tour to the knee, roll on your back and front aerial in that one count. And, you know, but cause, because there's, there's th- those moments of excitement when you see somebody do something that's just glorious. And um, but then there are people who come in and they're so subtle and pure and have no idea the facility that they have and you're just mm-hmm. like oh holy shit you don't even know what you've got and I can't mm-hmm. wait be I can't wait to for us to like get you there and just know that you have this other thing mm-hmm. I remember seeing this production of uh Phantom of the Opera <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was with somebody who really liked that show and I was like really again we have to go see it again okay um and this one production was with uh, a different actor who um, had been a dancer in his previous life and he was playing the phantom and holy cow, the way he connected physically when, you know, Christine was going to take the mask off, he crumbled to the floor. He was crawling on his forearms and, and I hadn't looked at his bio before. And I was like, who is this? And once again, proving like when someone is just so physically connected to character, mm. it will change. Like it'll change a show dramatically, drastically mm. that you feel like this person is really committed. And as much as we like the sounds of pretty voices to watch somebody who can be humble and, and drag their body across the floor because of anguish, um, that that was like a huge moment for me. I mm. wanted to make sure that that was something that I would share with my students every year. Mm. I love it. Do you remember that actor's name? Do we want to give him a shout out? I cannot remember. And I'm sorry that I can't, but yeah. We'll say was, Charlie Murphy is who it was, it was um, in a different Murphy. list. That was me. Yeah. Episode 24, Stephen Shellhart from Roosevelt University. Um, why do you find in the, maybe the past couple of classes, especially um, if a student has a number of great options, including CCPA, why might they not choose your school? Why might they end up going somewhere else? Um, well, you know, I feel like CCPA and uh, and our program is has been kind of under the radar for for a little while. Um, right now, I feel like there's a lot. It's not as flashy as some of these other conservatory programs. And I think that's on purpose. We're about the training. We're about, you know, we, we are not promising our students, like, you know, you're going to graduate and, and get all of these big Broadway things. That is part of the journey. That's what we hope for our students. But we're really training our students to be transformative artists and to go where the work is. Um, and I think a lot of times uh, people go towards bigger named schools or schools that have a little more flash to them. Um, and I think if you're really wanting to come to a city that has theater all around it, but be able to focus on the training, um, freshman and sophomore year 
is is really about the training here. Freshmen can mm. perform, um, which makes us a little bit different than some of the other conservatories that we have performance opportunities for our freshmen ensemble based, um, but they get to be on stage applying what they're learning in the classroom. Um, but, you know, who knows? I do also think every school is uniquely, you know, different and, and the students have to go where their heart is. And if you, mm. if you have a, a program that you love or you go to visit a school and you like the environment that it's in, like there's no right school. I think there's no mm. one right school for everybody. Um, there are a lot of factors that go into it. Um, but the people that do come to CCPA and do choose our program, I think are benefiting from, um, a really great faculty are benefiting from the social justice mission, which I think is really important in our industry right now Mm. of how can we change the world with our art? Um, how can we create new work and artists that will be on the opposite side of the table, um, and not just on stage so that their stories can be told. Episode four. Caitlin Hopkins from Texas State University. Absolutely. I'd love to get a little into the, some of the specifics because um, I can echo both of the things you've talked about or two of the things you've talked about, both in terms of wellness and in terms of the kind of currentness of your program. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that certainly students will echo back to us and say, this is what we know about Texas State. I'd love to get into some of specifically some of those innovations. So w- what does that mean in terms of what does wellness uh, mean for a freshman if I'm coming into your program? And then some of the ways that you're able to stay current um, to, the, to the industry. Great. So the wellness stuff. So they're going to learn about vocal health to take care of their voices, to take care of their bodies um, so that they are strong and versatile and flexible, right? Like in every way. In terms of sort of the mental wellness aspect, that's approached on a couple different ways. So we did research here with a top um, sports psychologist, meditation expert, communications expert, all, all kinds of amazing people came together and did research on uh, mental wellness for performing artists and athletes. And the Living Mental Wellness Program is now something that isn't just taught in my program, um, but the university and the department noticed that we had the highest academic achievers we had the, in the entire university. We had um, the highest graduation rates of any program at the university. It's a university of 39,000 students. So I'm very proud of that, right? So they have sort of looked at us and they're like, well, what are they doing differently over there? Um, so this uh, life skills program, uh, first, first and foremost, they're learning about the science of the brain and how the brain works under stress. They're learning how to self-regulate their own body chemistry. And that brain science is really foundational to everything else because you can totally learn how to self-regulate your nervous system, heal your nervous system uh, with tools and techniques to do that, right? So that's sort of foundational. And then you get a lot of mindfulness techniques, meditation techniques. And then we have this developmental model um, that's evidence-based. We did research on And it has six different module components, and they are these. They are um, time management, goal-setting skills, coping skills, communication skills, um, leadership skills, and problem-solving skills. And all of those are built um, one skill on top of the other, ultimately used together, right? Um, All of that together for those advanced problem-solving skills. Now, what the research proves is that when you increase 
someone's life skills, you decrease their anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And we're also looking at things like, you know, social media addictions and perfectionism and the imposter syndrome. Like how do you navigate a lot of the negative self-talk and giving them tools and uh, vocabulary um, around that and ways to utilize that in their work and application in the work. Right? Episode five, Elizabeth Stanley from Broadway's Jagged Little Pill. Elizabeth, how do we do and how are you doing? I'm doing well. Are you, are you leaving the bio, the personal part of my bio out, which was, which is that we're having a child together? What? What? <laughs> no, you can't be talking about that in public, Elizabeth. That is private news. I, I always said this, Megan, we're not going to break tea on this pod, but apparently we are. It's coming out. Um, yes, that is a personal part of our bio. But I'll do, probably do a little bit of a sweet um, hello to you at the beginning of the episode, too. I see. I see. It's for private. It's, it's only for public consumption. Well, you get to listen to it with everyone else. <laughs> and this is still before Indiana had a BFA program, right? Yes, quite a while before. I mean, I graduated in 2000. Somewhere between 1980 and 2015, I think is the answer. I play that I graduated between this <laughs> range. Um, no, that's right. Sometimes people do get a little obsessed with what the letters are. Did I get a BA or a BFA or a BM? Most people do not have a BS in musical theater um, or in music theater or theater in general. But just what a great example of how the letters themselves don't matter. It is all a little bit of BS in terms of nobody has ever in your career asked you, yeah, what are the letters on your degree? Yeah, not never. I've never, ever had someone ask me about that. Episode 16, Quinn Gordon from UNCSA. Um, is there anything that you feel like, you know, is it a, something you don't want to see in a student's audition? Any sort of, please don't do this for me, you know, in, in these auditions. Oh, gosh. Um, there should be a good level of preparation. Um, um, and, and we know everybody's nervous. Like, if if you weren't nervous, you wouldn't care. Hmm. Um, and we know that... Um, we know it's a really hard thing that we ask for young people to do, um, which is, you know, share their art, make themselves vulnerable in front of a couple strangers. Um, but what I, I sort of liken auditions to auditions, job interviews, they're, they're just like first dates. And I feel like where someone gets themselves in trouble in an audition or a job interview or a first date is when they try and be the thing that they think the other person wants them to be, mm-hmm. as opposed to bringing themselves fully into the into the um, the moment and the space. Um, and and when an applicant can just you know kind of let down that mask and again just bring themselves fully, um, it's really attractive actually to the to the people on the other side of the audition table or the people on the other side of the interview desk or the, the person on the other side of the restaurant table, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but I know that the instinct is so often to just try and be that thing that you think you want the other person to be, but you gotta, you gotta really just let that go. And that prep probably only comes from experience of going through like 10 or 20 of these things. Episode 11, Erica Henningsen from Broadway's Mean Girls. Let's jump forward to the college years. Um, So you're now at Michigan. If I were to make you in one word, sum up what the experience of school was like for you, what would that word be? This is going to sound weird, but the word that came to my head was squeezed. Yes, yes. Because I felt 
like I really squeezed everything out of that university, mm. not just that program, but that university as much as possible. And similarly, I feel like the faculty and the teachers I had, uh, I was a sponge who was just absorbing everything and then getting to squeeze it out in class. <laughs> so I remember leaving Michigan and saying, there is not a single thing that I wanted to try that I didn't, be it acapella groups, mock trial, improv, going to football games and having that Greek life experience, which didn't last very long for me. <laughs> um, trying to get a German minor, taking classes in tech, m- making friends outside of the musical theater program, being in the straight acting classes, going abroad was really important to me. Mm. Living in a city that was a college town that I could stay in. I stayed there and I worked two jobs one of the summers because I wanted to experience my college town as an individual, not just as a student on campus. And I remember leaving and just thinking, for what I paid to go there, I really got my money's worth. Uh Um, And I feel, similarly, I'm very proud of that college student who just really was only going for musical theater. That's what brought me there. But as soon as I arrived and saw the resources that were available to me, I just thought, how could I not? at this incredible public university take advantage of what is on the table. That's so good. That's such a weird word, but such a perfect word in <laughs> some way. Really, it's like, that's, so, I mean, God, that's the dream of what everyone wants from the college yes. experience. And an uncommon thing, I think most people have not said something like that. They're like, I wish I did this. I wish I had this. Yeah. Um, great it, it's funny. It's like, I, I, of course, look back on that time so fondly. It really was joyous. And as I entered the professional career, I saw also where what the holes in the education were. And I saw uh-huh. maybe the downsides of the education. But at the time when I was just living it, um, when I didn't know, when I was just learning who I was as an individual and an artist, it really provided outlets in every capacity that I could have wanted. Mm. And mm. of course, I'm sure we will talk about how that works to my disadvantage when I got to the city. Uh-huh. But at the uh-huh. time, it was... A, a really vast array of opportunity that I was happy to take advantage of. That is really special. MTCA's very own Leo Ash Evans from episode 10. Um, all right. Well, the America can't wait any longer for us to get to our newly wed game. Um, I will warn you <laughs> that Elizabeth was an embarrassing 0 for 5 Oy. in this newlywed game oh as my God. life partner. And she was like 0 for 9 when I gave her bonus questions too. So it was really rough. Are you still married? Can you believe it? This is the I... ultimate test of whether you and I are more compatible than me and Elizabeth. We're going to find out. <laughs> um, my romantic life is hanging in the balance. Um, are you ready for question one? I'm ready. Okay. You've often encountered Charlie coming to or from meetings, sweaty and in softball or basketball gear. You may remember that Charlie played on the reigning championship team in the Broadway show League, leading them to victory two summers ago over the Book of Mormon. What position on the softball field does Charlie most often play? This is absolutely ridiculous. Why would you ask me a question about the position? I thought for sure I was going to get to say you were sweaty because you were bike riding. I mean, I do know. I'll give you a hint. I am left-handed for what it's worth. I'm left-handed, as we may know. Left, were you, you were playing left field? Were you left outfield? Oh, wouldn't that be true? First base. First base is the right answer. A lot of left-handed people play first base. What I don't like about this is this, this might make me start to feel bad about my, my relationship. Like I should know my (laughs) husband better. (laughs) 
Consider this free cana. Yeah, exactly. Okay, question two. Charlie was clearly born to do musical theater, though the world has not gotten to see his empty glory as much as he deserves. However, at Carnegie Mellon, Charlie did one full stage musical, which still exists somewhere on the depths of YouTube. What musical at Carnegie Mellon did Charlie do? Hint, starring fellow MTCA coach John Michael Reese and Kyle Beltran. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, what's uh, what I love about these questions is like, I, I'm upset I don't know the answer to this. They're very, very hard. You did a musical at Carnegie Mellon. Did you do? Did you do um, a Little Night Music? Oh, such a good guess. The correct answer is Golden Boy, the musical Golden Boy, which almost never no one has heard of. And so I'm very sorry. You have very little chance to get that right. My okay, God. question three. This one you have a chance at, Leo. You really have a chance at this one. It's not impossible. Okay, ready? For six years, Charlie lived in Midtown with his BFF and fellow MTCA coach, Alejandro Rodriguez. We spent many hours in meetings at this very apartment. Without looking at your phone or computer, what is the exact address of Charlie and Ale's old apartment? Uh, first of all, the answer begins with, it's old. So why the hell would Leo remember this? It, you dumped that place, so I dumped it with you. <laughs> all right. 47th Street. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. 49th Street? For 311 West 54th Street. And I would have given you credit unless you also got Apartment 2 or Apartment 1R. Both are acceptable on the postal code. Well, Charlie, I would, if you would have said what level. Wait a minute. That's not fair. I would have known. It was, I wouldn't have had R, but I knew it was on the first level. I do remember that. First floor. For sure. All right. So I get a half a point. We'll give him a half point. He's negative five to half a point so far. Okay. Fun fact. You and Charlie are both from the same high school, the same college, spaced a few years apart. The debate rages on over who is older than whom. Exactly. <laughs> While in high school, what award slash superlative did Charlie win from his fellow North Allegheny classmates? So that's like most likely two, those kind of awards. Since I wasn't at high school with you, that's why this question's ridiculous. <laughs> uh but um okay i guess charlie what award could Charlie? i mean most likely to make it big in the big apple oh not correct most likely to win an oscar this one was actually possibly gettable my classmates were very wrong i will not be winning an oscar but most likely to win an oscar why do we get the feeling like we're all set up here so charlie looks good to win the <laughs> newlywed game i don't feel like we're set up to win this newlywed game. Well, considering that Charlie makes the questions, he is most definitely set up to win. The game is rigged. Well, Megan, you're the assistant. You could be weighing in on this ridiculousness. <laughs> That's true. You could be texting the correct answers to Leo, but you're choosing not to, and I appreciate um, your honesty, Megan. In all honesty, I did think about it, but Charlie did not write down the answers. <laughs> I did not write the answers in just so that she couldn't do that. Can you believe that? Well, I don't. Okay. I wasn't. I wasn't encouraging Megan to cheat. I was just saying Megan could weigh in. <laughs> And go, Charlie, ease up a little, would you? Like the it, like the question just, could have been, who was my roommate when I was in my first apartment? You know, that could have been a nicer question. I made Elizabeth do what's the number I'm thinking on between one and thirteen million, though. So in fairness, it's at least even in on the the game. Okay, zero for four. Megan maybe gives you half a point. Our last chance here, and this is a gettable question. You can do this. I believe in you, Leo. Okay, focus. We've got this. Without looking at your phone slash computer, what is Charlie's phone number? 
Charlie, nobody knows anybody's phone number. I don't even know my parents' phone number. I don't know my sister's number. So if you think I'm going to know your number. First three, first three digits. If, if it's true love, I think you'll guess it. I'm going to hope that it's 212-917 or 347. <laughs> it's 724. Come on. It's done. It's still Wexford. It's still, oh my God, you still got 724. <laughs> He's still going down to the 724 zip codes. Well, I think what we've learned today is that nobody is truly compatible with Charlie. This doom oh to doom marriages uh, from the start. But Leo, thank you for the good humor and thank you for playing our newlywed game. I really appreciate it. I'm going to suggest to Elizabeth that she and I get married so we can talk about the ridiculousness <laughs> of our ex-husbands. Or <laughs> <laughs> we each have an ex-husband being you. Episode 7, Gabe Ebert from Broadway's Matilda. Um, what do you think? So you speak to, talk a little bit, and I really think it's a, a, an interesting um, thought of like almost the, the positive attributes of your naivete back then. Um, mm-hmm. I'd just love to hear a little bit about like, what do you think at 17 you did really well? That you go, I'm almost jealous of like, I was so this. What, what, what worked for you at 17? What worked for me at 17, I think, was I, um, I had a lot of, energy, I think. And it was, it was a mostly positive energy because, um, because of, I don't know, various reasons. But one of the things that was a strength is a willingness to try things, Mm. to uh, a willingness to throw away the thing that I had prepared and do something totally new. Mm. And um, I think that I thrive on being in an ensemble and on playing with others. And one of the things that I think was a strength is that um, I I wasn't hoarding my own experience trying to make it about me getting into school. Actually, my best experiences of auditioning, like in in the Juilliard experience, there was a callback in which maybe 30, 25, 30 people came back and we all got together in a room with the faculty and played some games. And I remember that my faculty members later telling me that 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 was when they really saw that I'd be uh, an asset to the school is that I... Mm -hmm played well with others, you know, to put it in sort of layman's terms, and that it brought out something good in me and that I could bring out something good in other people. There was a sense of joy, a sense of play. Episode 12, John Simpkins from Penn State University. Um, Okay, this is my favorite question now. Um, (laughs) If you had to estimate it for Penn State, for you, how much of the decision in the room you know, the artistic decision is based on the skills displayed. So like, you know, that ability to see how good of an actor, singer, dancer are they versus those intangibles of during the interview or in adjustments or the who they are sort of element of it. Wow. I would say that probably slides depending on the student. Um, but, but I would say those intangibles that you mentioned are well over half of of what's exciting for us because because I like to tell young people remember we're not you're not supposed to be ready for the profession yet that's why you want to come to college so what we don't need you to do is is be at your final callback for wicked mm-hmm. um because because what we're looking for is the potential to work for 4 years together toward a common goal and so it's almost like when you're in uh PE class in your third, you know, third or fourth grade. And the, maybe these are my like demons coming back up, but, uh, and the, 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 the PE teacher says it's time to play dodgeball. So you're a captain and you're a captain. And, and a lot of times you're picking people that you think would be, would make great 
team members. And that is a part of this whole process because mm-hmm. to us, if I were to zoom way in, our goal is we would love 12 students to join us each fall that are from 12 different backgrounds, mm-hmm. that are from 12 totally different experiences, um, skill sets, et cetera, to fold into the 36 or 37 that we already have so that we can have at any given moment about 50 students around who come from different walks of life and different opinions and different skill sets. And that's the way that your individual journey can also contribute to a group dynamic. Hmm. I think for us to look at skills, once you reach the bar that we feel like you need to be so that you're able to succeed in the the the, the difficulty of the journey in your skill acquisition, hmm. once you're there, now it's all about those intangible, um, intangibles. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite questions because it gets such different answers from faculty. For some, like, oh, it's, I think it tells a lot about the kind of school and the the way they look at it, at least the way they look at it. Yeah. Well, it's also a, it's a, such a tricky answer because there's also this thing in audition rooms, and and we all know this, right? There is this thing where you somebody comes into the room and you go, oh, I like you, I. I I, you know, there's an immediate, like, this is, Mm -hmm. this is somebody I'd like to be around and then come the skills Mm -hmm. and then come the intangibles and then come the academic portfolio. And then, you know, it's like that there are some, some just things that make those auditions um, more successful. Episode 14, Kenneth Noel Mitchell from USC. All right. Well, we are back with Kenneth. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the USC audition process. Um, in short, what do you think makes a great audition for USC or for you? I want to see you. We want to see who you are. We want you to have fun. Mm. Don't worry about pleasing us. Choose material that you love to do, not the material that you think is going to show range or be slick or impress us, but material that really reflects who you are so we use that time to get to know you. Mm. You have four years to train, and you're getting incredible training now. But really, what what makes you, what is your point of view in the world? And you don't have to try to be unique. You already are unique. There is no one like you on the planet because no one has lived your life. Mm. So just bring that into the room. Episode six, Kevin Covert from Shenandoah. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about the audition, if we can transition into the, maybe the audition for Shenandoah. In short, what do you think makes a great audition for your program? You know, first of all, nothing beats preparation. I mean, we can, I'm sure at TCA you drive that home. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> if I was a junior in high school right now getting ready to enter my senior year, I would say by the end, middle of the summer, you should have your audition material selected. You know, nothing beats mm-hmm. preparation. And also, I think it's so important to be yourself, you know, and, and remember that we want you to be great. When you walk in the room, I'm, I'm, we're all rooting for you, right? So th- as much as you can be yourself, you know, and, and not just get, you know, wrapped up and it, it's not, you know, you're not going in front of a firing squad, right? It's, it's musical theater at the end of the day. So, you know, be yourself, be confident, be kind, you know, to have a conversation, you know, um, mm. I always say you have to do material you love. You can't, you can't do material because your mom loves it or your coach loves it. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it's still something I'm learning this year. I really, really 
one of one of my students to sing this particular song and about three coachings in i was like you don't like the song dude he's like i really don't and i was like okay then we need to stop singing it just because i love it doesn't mean that you have to love it right so doing material you love because you're never going to bring your best self if you don't you know love what you're doing so i think it's just in the audition room i want to see you know because you know we have this finite period of time to decide if we want to spend four years together right if you want spend four years with me and if I want to spend four years with you the the more that you can be yourself and just know that we are rooting for you and to have fun there has to be an element of fun in it and an element of joy so um but again nothing beats preparation I always say to my students you know a hurricane could whip through this building and if you're in the middle of your song you should be able to finish it <laughs> you, know, you should know it backwards and forwards and inside and out so such a good advice and I it's such a good lesson as a coach the material you love thing, especially my first year or two, I'd be like, but this is such a good monologue. And it's like, wait a second. If you don't like it, I already got into college. I don't, this, I don't need to do my favorite monologue. It's got to be what is going to show you up the best. Absolutely. Uh, Episode 13, Carrie Anderson, a Broadway performer and a psychotherapist. Learning how to talk to ourselves differently is like a superpower. It's a super technique that can... I think open up a lot of artists to be able to do what they really want to do, which is tell their story, the story of the character, not, not be stuck in their own fear or. Yeah. I, I love that framing of uh, artists as like, it's actually more difficult for us because we're such good storytellers. Like, you know, sometimes artists will be accused of being called, Oh God, she's so dramatic. It's like professionally. So yes, I've been yes. trained to be so dramatic. So yeah, absolutely. Yes. yes. And there really is like an inherent kind of survival thing that get, that happens, I think, in um, in in our work because there's usually one role and there's hundreds of people mm -hmm. after that one role, so it it already flips us into this like survival. There's one fish who's going to go out there and get it, mm -hmm. and then we turn back into these like reptilian versions of who we are, and the brain has evolved so much more than when we were cavemen but right. if we're not careful that's our caveman brain will take over and that's what will start working and it yeah. only knows obviously the negativity that only it's, it's like rooted in negativity bias so it's only looking for bad things so if you're feeling anxiety your brain's like oh this is bad never do this again let me tell you how terrible you are so you never put yourself back in this scary mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. that can do a lot of damage mm -hmm. when it's like oh no Oh, brain, this is just a audition and mm -hmm. this is just anxiety. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to have that two-way communication between the brain and the body is where it's all at as far as mm -hmm. mental health. Um, and then if you add trauma or you add anything into like any of that part of like your previous life, you're going to even be more susceptible to a, a harsher inner critic. Mm -hmm. or being debilitated by mm -hmm. the anxiety that comes with putting yourself out there in this way. Episode 8, Mark Madama from the University of Michigan. I know many of our students who are looking at um, beginning their college audition roadmap are starting to look forward at what this audition is going to be like. I'd love to hear just from your perspective, what do you think makes a great audition for Michigan? Well, this is a question that comes up so often. <laughs> it's, it's what makes a great audition for anywhere. Not, not specifically Michigan, it's, it's preparation. It's having done that training. It's having, it's having worked with your teachers that are, you know, your teachers in high school, the teachers in your studios. Your studio has a world-class studio. Mm 
your your studio has produced so many of our of our students because they were prepared because they knew what was expected of them in an audition they knew how to prepare their music they knew how to come in and present themselves they knew how to dress they knew how to be comfortable in front of a panel of people they knew um they knew what what material was going to benefit them and that's all really important stuff to do when you are auditioning Well, I hope you enjoyed those clips as much as we loved making those episodes. Um, we love you all. I, I just want to say I'm so grateful for all of you as a podcast audience, I guess is what I would call you all. I don't know, as best human beings in the world who listen to this podcast. We're so grateful for you. It has been such a pleasure for me and for Megan this year. I don't know why I always want to do like the Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is gratitude and New Year's is supposed to be reflection, but I always end up getting really grateful anytime I reflect because I am a cheesy if you are cheesy too and you just want to make sure you catch all of our episodes in 2022, please make sure you've already hit that follow button. If you haven't rated us and reviewed us, give us a year-end review. Um, we'd love that. Um, we also, you can reach out to us with questions or to tell us which guests you want to date um, at mailbag at mappingthecollegeedition.com. You also can reach out to me and Megan directly. I'm at Charmer7. She's at Megan Marie 2014 You can also check out MTCA if you want any help with individual prep for your college edition journey in that new year. Please check us out at mtcollegeauditions.com. To my young artists and their families out there mapping their journeys, have such a happy new year. We will see you next year. Happy New Year! Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.